Good morning. We got a great crowd, and I'm glad that you are a part of it. And I also want to say uh, welcome to those who are joining us online. I talked with Calvin Jackson this week. He and Troy Rupert, they work behind the scenes just making this available for our online uh, uh, services. And uh, we have, what, 450 or so that gather here in person each week for worship. And I ask him, what is our numbers of how many join us online? If you've ever been home and you watched, you can sometimes see a little bit of a, a track with that. But total, each week, we average about 180 to 200 people joining us weekly. Uh, I didn't know that, so that was news to me. So I'm thankful um, that we have that available. And for those who join us online, um, we're glad that you are doing just that. Tonight we've got home devotionals. If you're thinking, wait a minute, we're not in February yet. It's not time for the next one. Uh, you're right. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a, a change in our schedule because in two weeks, uh, we're going to have Super Service Sunday. You've heard us talk about that. The details are in the bulletin. We're going to share more in the coming weeks. And so that's going to be on the second Sunday of February. And so tonight we're going to have uh, home devotionals. We're um, in our Led by the Spirit series, we're talking from Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be talking about love tonight. So I want you to uh, take note of that. And again, those who are joining us online, you can get on our website and find that home devotional as well on the, in the bulletin. For the last few weeks, we've been walking through the story of the book of Ruth. The book is short, but that's not why it's loved by so many. I think we love the book because... It's rich. It's packed full. Four short chapters, but lots of twists and turns. And the setting is anything but pleasant. We talked about this as we opened the study. It's in the time of Judges where there was no king, and as Scripture says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And God had warned his people that if they forsook him and did not obey his command, he would bring curses upon them, including a famine. And that's what we read about. That very thing was happening. So when the famine came, instead of turning to God, Elimelech took his family and they left their homeland and searched for food. No one planned on what happened next. Elimelech died, leaving Naomi with her two sons in a foreign land. So they marry women there, foreign wives. Soon after, both sons die. So that leaves three, hus three wives, women, with no husband, meaning no way to support themselves. What were they to do? Naomi gets word that God had blessed their homeland, that things were improving for them, things were better, so she decides to send her daughters-in-law back to their people, and she would return back to her people, back to her homeland. Ruth, however, made an amazing choice to stay with Naomi and embrace the one true God. One of the things that I love about the, the book of Ruth, this whole story, is how it's realistic. We know that it's real because it deals with things that you and I deal with in everyday life. And so we read about some of these happenings. We relate to the story. When they get to Bethlehem, Naomi has to face these people, her people, who knew her from her life before. But now everything's changed. So let's pick up, go, go back to Ruth chapter 1, if you look in your Bibles there. Let's start in uh, verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. 
And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt better, very bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? See, everybody knew Naomi as married with two sons because that's, that was the Naomi who left. But not anymore. Now she has returned and she has no husband and she has no sons. You know, when you go through a difficulty, especially like, like the death in your family member, that is hard and that is a challenge to face. And some of you know this very well. It's yet another challenge to then deal with that with other people. People talking to you about what's happened to you. It's almost like you relive that loss again every time you deal with that. Is that not what Naomi is describing here? Even suggesting, they don't even call her by the same name. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Because she has gone through a, a definite bitter time. Even though it's been years since her husband has passed away, and months, maybe more, since her sons have died, she's letting her hometown people know, I'm not the same person that you knew before. There's no joy in me. It's gone. And yet even though her loss is severe and her grieving is far from over, Naomi and Ruth soon are able to see God working in their lives. So Ruth began picking up the leftover harvest, and as the story of Ruth tells us here in the book of Ruth, she happened to come to a field belonging to Boaz, a relative of Naomi's. But the book of, of Ruth is more than just boy meets girl, and we always love those stories. This is a realistic story of life. If you've ever gone through a period of adversity, doubt, or even as Naomi describes her life, bitterness, this book is for you, men or women, young or old. Single, married, if you have children, if you don't have children, all of us can learn from the story of Ruth. This morning, I want us to learn three lessons as a quick overview. Lesson number one is this, stick together. That's what we see with Ruth and Naomi. They stick together. The loss of Naomi's husbands and sons, coupled with living in a foreign land, meant that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, really became more like a daughter to her in that moment. Hard times can deepen bonds like nothing else. You ever experienced that? When you go through a difficulty, and it can be a family member, it can be a co-worker, it can be a good friend, and when they come alongside you and you go through that together, that just immediately deepens that relationship. Remember what Ruth said to Naomi? Ruth 1.16, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. That's the epitome of sticking together. So when Naomi returns to Bethlehem and faces her friends, her family, her people, she's introducing Ruth to everyone, these are my people. You said your people shall be my people. She's introducing those people. Now, she'd already introduced Ruth to God, and now it's time to meet her people. 
I really see so many applications in this book, and I especially want to mention women, ladies, moms, because we see here some of these main characters are women. I want you to know how important your role is. If the father is the head of the household, as one author said, mom is the heart of the household. Is that true for your home? Maybe the home where you grew up? Think about how many times when as the family is aging and finally the matriarch dies, people will say she was the glue that held us together. That's true more often than not. Mom can be referred in that way. Your relationship helps all the other relationships to be better. It just does. There is nothing like a mom. Did you read the news story about the middle-aged man at the checkout counter in Kroger? He only had two items, and so he, he was trying to check out, you know, where, where do I go, where, be quick. And he saw an elderly woman that was, looked like she was just about finished, and so he got in line behind her. Well, she looked back at him and smiled and then turned around and, and didn't think anything of it. And then he looked, and it, it, it appeared as though she was crying. And so he touched her elbow and said, ma'am, are you okay? Is everything all right? And she said, well, you look like my son. And, and he just died. And it's just, I don't know, you just resemble him, and I miss him very much. Well, that man was touched by that and, and very sympathetic. And he said, well, is there anything I can do? And she said, oh, oh, no, no, there's nothing you can do. And thank you, though. And she turned back around. Then after a moment, she turned back and she, she said, you know, before my son died, he, he never got a chance to tell me goodbye. And I've always regretted that. So as I leave, would you, would you just say goodbye, Mom? And the man thought, whatever you ask, I'll be happy to do that. So her groceries were all in the cart, and she walked toward the exit door, and she looked back, and he said, goodbye, Mom. And she said, goodbye, son. And so there's this very touching moment right there in Kroger. He turned back, and the checkout clerk said to him, that'll be $147. And she, he said, wait, I've only got two, two items. And, and she said, I know, but, but your mom said you would take care of hers as well. <laughs> would I be out of line to say that woman was ruthless? We should strive to stick together because we all have to deal with adversity in times. And it's better to be with someone, coping with conflict at work, dealing with family issues, walking through loss or grief. The list goes on. But especially as a family, do you stick together? Do you stick together? Do you turn on one another? Moms and dads, Never underestimate your influence. That's what this whole lesson is about, your influence. Your children are learning from you daily what it means to be committed, to stick together, what unconditional love is really all about. So like Ruth and Naomi, we all need to have that spirit, that attitude that says, come what may, we are family, and we're going to stick together. Well, here's the second lesson to learn from the story. Stand with God. 
I hope you see this in the book of Ruth. But that is much easier to say than it is to do. Especially if your husband is dead. Especially if your sons are dead. Especially if you're a woman and you're destitute and you have no way of just providing for yourself. Naomi's life before Moab is completely different than her life after Moab. It is night and day. And yet Naomi chose to remain faithful to God. And what's more impressive to me is that she influenced Ruth to stand with God. Now, she never denies her hardship. She talks openly about how hard it is, how much she has suffered her grief. We just read that in, in chapter 1. But she stands with God, pushing forward with whatever comes next. And Ruth needs help, her help, navigating life in this new country, this new culture, with new rules, new etiquette. How, what does she do? How does she? Ruth doesn't know. So Naomi has to help her at every turn. Naomi tells her about gleaning the harvest in the field. And at the right moment, Naomi tells her, here's how you express your interests to Boaz. Here's exactly how you go about that, letting him know that you're interested in him. You want him to consider marrying you. Last week we talked about how God provided a provision in the Torah for a widow, for someone in the family, the next of kin, to come in and step in and marry that one and have children and keep the name going. And Boaz, quite impressed with Ruth. In fact, the whole town was impressed with her. I would go so far as to say Boaz was smitten by Ruth because when she indicated her interest, he quickly makes arrangements. Do you notice that? Wasted no time at all. Look at Ruth chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have brought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. And Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who built up the house of Israel. Isn't that something? That Rahab, who starts out as this pagan from Moab, the other side of the tracks, we might say, in four short chapters is marrying the bachelor of Bethlehem. When you stand with God, it may not be easy, may not be immediate, but amazing things can come to pass as you stand with him and he starts working through you. And that's what we see in this chapter. Look what happens next, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. How would Naomi and Ruth have known all of this was going to happen? They didn't. They couldn't. No. But what we see is two women who stood with God and honored him with their lives. Again, moms, ladies, the way you respond to life's ups and downs, men as well, but especially women, I want you to see this. It is influencing your family. No one said it would always be easy, but when you stand with God, when you stay in his ways, you, you work with, with all your might as working for the Lord. 
People see that. People take notice. The whole town knew that about Ruth. But more importantly, God sees that. So stick together and stand with God. Here's one more lesson I want us to learn. Trust God's plan. Sometimes we may think God having a plan for us means, Lord, help me to know your plan when it's choosing where to live or, or choosing what to, to major in school or what kind of occupation. Do I take this job or even whom to marry? God, what is your will? Is that true? Is that how God has a will for us in those decisions? Maybe. Or another way of looking at that is God's plan for you is more basic that you honor him in every decision that you make. Big or little. God is a loving Father who wants what is best for you. I hope you know God like that because that is who He is. And that's how He presents Himself from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture. That is who God is. And when we grow to the point of understanding that and believing that, it changes how you view everything. That my God wants what is best for me, even when I'm going through something very difficult. Naomi suffered incredible loss. I keep saying that because I want to make sure we keep remembering that and not just fast forward to chapter 4 where you have the marriage and the baby and everything's happy and good. Let's remember what they've gone through. Her circumstances were bitter. But she was not. Her life was hard, but her faith was strong. And I would say her influence was all the more powerful because of that. Because of what she went through and how she remained faithful to the Lord. Look what happens when Ruth gives birth to a son. Look at Ruth chapter 4 verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. Verse 15, he shall be a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, he has given birth to him. So in one verse it's talking about Boaz, the redeemer, but the next verse it's changed. He shall be a restorer of life. He has given birth to him. He's talking about this baby, not Boaz. Commentaries talk about this and explain, like for a woman, your son, and like seven sons, that means you're taken care of in your old age. They're going to be there for you. And that was kind of the given. That's why the devastation of the loss of her husband and her sons, she had no one. And now this baby has come along. She's going to be taken care of. That's what we're talking about here. But it was more than that. It was much more than her saying, okay, I've got somebody to take care of me till the day I die. Naomi is holding this little one in her lap. Look what follows in verse 16. Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But I'm going to go back up to, wait a minute, son of Naomi? I thought it was Ruth's son. Why are they saying Naomi has a son? Well, sometimes in Scripture, you know that those terms can be used interchangeably, like a grandson can be called a son. But also understand that when Boaz assumed the role of kinsman redeemer and marries Ruth and actually saves her situation, 
he also is saving Naomi's situation, in a way, becoming her kinsman redeemer, redeeming her family line. So in a sense, he is her son, even though he's her grandson. But also notice this, the women, what did they call her? They didn't call her Mara, they called her Naomi. Remember she said, call me Mara, that means bitter. But no, they called her Naomi, and notice that she doesn't correct them. She says, no, I'm a grandmother now, call me Nene. That's what I'm going to be, you know, or Nana or Nana or whatever it is, you know. Grandparents do that. She's holding her grandson. Everything's changed. Some of you grandparents know that feeling. It is an indescribable joy. It truly is. But more, more than just this birth of a baby, God, I mean, Naomi sees God's hand at work. She's felt his presence, his peace, and this birth of this son has changed everything. God is restoring her. See, what Satan intended for evil, God is using for good. Have you heard that before? That wasn't just in Joseph's life. That's who God is. That's how God operates. Jesus describes Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's always been and always will be. That's what he wants to do for you. What God wants to do is take what is intended for evil and turn it into something good. God has been remained faithful throughout this whole time, and he's working good for this woman who loved the Lord. Now, that's not to say, the text does not say, nor do we need to kind of infer from this, that Naomi's pain ever went away, that the loss of her husbands and sons, just birth of a baby and it was cured. That doesn't happen. And the Bible's not teaching that here. No amount of rejoicing or this new baby is going to take away that sting and that loss. She will deal with that for all of her days. But through it all, it becomes so evident that God was at work. And God was working in Naomi's life to influence Ruth and to influence others, including you and me. Moms, dads, teach your children these truths. He has a plan, but it may not always be obvious. We may not have eyes to see, but he has one. And his plan may take longer than yours, but his timing is always perfect. His plan may not be the route that you would choose, but he will get you there when he wants you to get there, when you're ready to be there. And his plan may not have a lot of glory and praise and attention for you, but he's seeking something bigger. He's seeking his will, his plans. He wants to use you, work through you, to advance his kingdom and do even more. Don't let the world's circumstances knock you off your eternal purpose. Your faith in God, I would even say your testimony during those hardships can be a powerful influence on others. It won't always be easy. Naomi and Ruth would say, I can tell you that. It's not always easy. But God has promised you he will never leave you nor forsake you. I hope you're seeing through this whole story of Ruth pointing to Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. Are you seeing that? Are you hearing that? 
I mean, it's like page after page. Romans 8, 28 is true. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But standing with God doesn't mean you're exempt from storms. Standing with God means you know he will not leave you in the middle of those storms. And as real as the story of Ruth is, let's be blunt about this. Not every story ends with a healthy baby being born. Not every story ends with healing for the one who is sick. Not every story ends with relationships being mended and they live happily ever after. The list goes on and on. It's when things do not make sense that we have to trust God's plan even more. God is at work and we stand with him. Because you can be assured the prince of darkness has a completely different agenda. And again and again, we see God taking what Satan intends for evil and trying to work good from that, working good from that. Think about it. How could God use someone outside of his people, this foreigner, like Ruth? She's from the wrong faith background, the wrong country, the wrong nation, the wrong family, the wrong marriage. I mean, all of it was wrong. But God specializes in taking what is wrong and turning it into what is right, doing good. God can take people whose early chapters in their life, I hope you're getting this, when you've blown it, when you've ignored God, when you didn't know about God, when whatever, if your early chapters were far from God, that does not rule you out from God working in you. He's always wanting you to come to Him. See, there's even more to the story of Ruth. Grandparents, I think I got an amen when I talked about the joy of having a grandchild. Because it is, it is great. You think your grandchildren are special? Well, keep reading. Because we're all way down in, in, in the joy. Look, look, look at verse 17. Again, the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. The father, if you've studied this lesson before, this book before, you, you know what we're talking about here. King David, the renowned king of Israel. Ruth was his great-grandmother. Do any of you read this story and just shake your head and go, Wow. How could God make this happen? This former pagan Moabite woman is the great-grandmother of the great king of Israel. You know what else? Who is Boaz's mother? Do you remember? The book of Ruth doesn't tell us, but the Bible does tell us. Matthew's gospel opens with the genealogy of Jesus. You're familiar with that. It lists dozens and dozens of men's names and just a few women, five, if you're counting. One is Mary, of course, his mother. But what about the other women that God chose to include in the genealogy? Because they were important to the people of Israel. And more often than not, though, it was the men's names that are listed. But Matthew doesn't do that. Why would God have Matthew to list 
these four women. Because what's absent here is not Sarah or Rebecca or Rachel. Not at all. Do you remember who's listed in Matthew? I didn't put it on the screen. You, you just go back and read it. Just very quickly, I want to remind you. Tamar is the first one. You remember her? She's the one, let's be blunt, because the Bible tells us, who had an incestuous relationship with her father-in-law. Then there's Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho. Do you know who Rahab's son was? Boaz. Do you see God's hand working in this? The next one listed is Ruth, this Moabite woman, who at the time was very far from God. God says, I'll take you into my family. And then Bathsheba, who committed adultery with King David. Matthew tells us in this family line, in this family tree, this house, this lineage of David, Jesus was also born in Bethlehem. He also became a king. Let me close with what I think is the, the key lesson to learn from the story of Ruth. God is still in the business of redeeming people. I say that because there's probably more than a few in this room listening online that you've got a part of your past that's less than stellar. Maybe you didn't grow up believing in God or, or, or following Him, or maybe you did grow up and then you, you've left Him, or there's a part of your life that's just very much dark. You've made some bad choices. And you might even struggle with feeling worthy, like, God can't use me. If, if, if people knew my past, if they knew where I was from or the, the things that I did, I'm not worthy. Somehow Satan has convinced way too many people to believe that because God does not think that way at all. Some people feel like they're beyond God's reach. Your past, your family, your choices are too far gone. Not true. You're never too far gone. I believe God listed those names as well as some of the men that are listed. Let's be blunt about that too. To tell us, regardless of your past, regardless of your circumstances, God can redeem it. God always wants you to come to him. Believe in him. Stand with him and let him work through you. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I put it on the screen. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Jesus wants to be your redeemer. If you will allow him, if you will allow him, he can give you a new beginning. A new beginning. That is the story of Ruth. And that is the story of our kinsman redeemer. That's the good news of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, you know everything. You not only know the good that we might do, you, you know the mistakes that we've made. You know our sins, you know our messes, you know it all. And yet you never give up on any one of us. Thank you. God, help us to hear your voice of redemption more than Satan's voice of shame. You are the one who can take a broken, messed up life and bring about good. Thank you for being our redeemer, for paying for our sins by shedding your blood. Lord, help us to stand for you, to stick together, to trust your plan. God, we don't see everything you see. We, we, we can't. But God, please give us eyes of faith to see more 
and more. This we pray through Jesus and amen. If you'd like a new beginning, if you've never been saved, had your sins washed away because Jesus died for you, we always have the water ready so that you can be baptized. We're going to sing in song and encourage you to do just that. As you confess, you believe Jesus is the Son of God. Or if you just need prayer or help, or even after our worship is over, if you'd like to go to the prayer room, one of our elders will be there and can pray for you then. Whatever you need, once you come as we stand and sing to encourage. Oh.